First things first, uh, we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we produce this show. I am on Darug and Gunungara land, and Holly and Sophie are on Ngunnawal land. We speak about this every episode because this is not just a part of our history, it is a part of our now. The Stolen Generation, it's not just a catchy term that we get taught in school about the backward practices of days gone by. There are currently more Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children living in out-of-home care than there ever were in the period that we refer to as the Stolen Generation. And it's more than 10 times that of non-Indigenous kids. Our government said sorry, but, you know, I was taught that if you mean it when you say sorry for something, you don't do it again. Now we'll move on to the show. Welcome to Somebody You Love or The Sale of Two Titties. I'm Jenna Love. And I'm Holly Hart. And we're experts in disappointing our parents, breaching community guidelines and banging the people who vote against our rights. Sophie is renowned for being the only German trans mistress in Australia. She also offers GFE services, is a trained counsellor, has a handful of degrees and devotes herself to sex worker advocacy. She has recently announced her intentions to retire from sex work this year due to the negative experiences she has encountered as a trans person within the industry. We've had gender diverse people on the show before, but thus far we haven't delved into the challenges unique to this community. So we invited Sophie on the show to share her perspective. Welcome, Sophie. Hi, Sophie. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I've been um, listening to um, the occasional episodes here and then. I really love your work. I think it's really important. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for making the time to come and chat with us. Yes. I was stoked that you asked me. Oh, yay. (laughs) That's so nice to hear. Yeah. No, we were very stoked Um, that you agreed. We were excited. We thought we we haven't, yeah, we've had a range of people on the show, but um, Mm. yeah, we haven't delved into the the challenges. And um, you you raised on social media a few months ago um, some of the the challenges that you've been facing. And it was a really emotional and really heartfelt post. And uh, it just sort of struck a chord with us where we thought this is something we Mm. really need to to understand. And um, it's a lot to ask somebody to give us their emotional labor in educating us and our listeners um, but we we hoped that that would be an opportunity for us to learn and we appreciate you sharing that with us yeah no I mean I also appreciate it um I mean since I saw made that post I was like I, I had a few like um colleagues reach out which I think is like really nice I think it's like really important that like you know um cis workers um not ignore this issue I guess or like shed light on it or like I've had people like you know offering collabs or like you know just like you know sharing their like sympathies or just like um engaging with the issue at hand which I think is like really important in whichever way and like a very various different ways I guess yeah Mm. Yeah, I I think it's tricky because we don't we so often don't see all of these uh, issues that people in the industry face because like from a marketing perspective uh, it's really hard to put it out there right it's really hard to to post on your twitter that's like hey i'm sexy come have sex with me going actually i face a lot of discrimination all the time and yeah. things are not rosy you know it's not very sexy I mean, is it yeah it's i mean that's like actually a core issue that you touch on because um especially for trans um sex workers like we're sort of like often like expected to like um you know be sexual in a certain way it's then very hard to be like actually this is not how i like having sex um and um that's like a 
particularly pronounced problem for like trans femme people who are like expected to like have a sex a certain have sex a certain way because it's like client fantasy that they specifically like top them mm-hmm. whereas like you know there's a lot of trans femme folks I mean myself included for whom it's not necessarily like the most like you know enjoyable thing to do of course so let's let's go back to the beginning can you share with us your sex working backstory? So particularly like, you know, maybe how you got started and um, your experience as a trans person and your beginnings in the industry. Yeah. So um, my um, beginnings in the industry is, is like, I guess somewhat unconventional because um, I used to, so I used to actually um, research sex work as a trans person. So when I was, so uh, as a trans person, I was like always interested in like, I guess part of my research was like engaging with parts of the trans community that people don't often engage in. And there's like, um, there's like a lot of like, um, I guess sex work phobia in like, um, queer circles and queer communities, um, where like, you know, it's like this part of the trans community that we like often don't talk about, or, you know, within the broader queer community, but also within the, within the trans community. So like, but like as a trans person, I was always like, I thought it was always very strange that we like never spoke about trans sex workers because trans sex work is like such a huge part about, of being trans. Um, there's a lot of, um, I mean, if you're a trans feminine person, um, you know, there's a very, very, very high likelihood that you have in some form or another engaged in sex work because of the economic marginalization and social marginalization that trans um, people face. Um, So there was like this whole part of this community that I was a part of that wasn't really like spoken about. So I wanted like as a researcher, like I'm actually like an anthropologist. So what we do is like we engage, um, we engage with like um, uh, subcultures and communities um, and I was like a, I guess like a, what we would call a partial insider so like as a trans person I was researching and doing work with trans people but as a non-sex worker I was like engaging with sex workers as like a non-sex worker so it was like a very interesting position that I had um, because obviously like you know sex work advocacy is a lot of that is about having sex workers speak on their own behalf and like nothing about us without us so I was always like in this kind of like strange situation where I was like I was kind of like you know I was part of the trans community aspect but I wasn't part of the sex community aspect um and then so as I like got to do more like got to know more people in the in the trans sex work community I I guess like became also very close friends with a lot of the people that like I was working with because an anthropology is like very like involved it's like all about getting to know um, people's lives by like actually participating in their daily lives and being like a firm because like the idea is that like you can't really understand someone unless you like really take part in their daily daily life and then like I guess like fast forward um, to cut the story short after being like a PhD student for like you know four years or so um, it's like a very like um, it's like a very exploitative um, industry um, it's like always interesting how like, you know, when we talk about sex work, outsiders talk about sex work being this exploitative industry. But like, actually, my own experience is that academia is significantly like way, way, way more exploitative as an industry. And I was basically just like really, really poor. And um, after four years, I just like they just expect you to work full time without any pay. So your scholarship runs out. The scholarship itself was only twenty six thousand dollars a year. Um, and I was like expected to like Australian dollars and I was expected to live in the US on that on that 
um, on that income, which is like impossible when you live in LA where like rents alone is like four digits usually. And that's like in the share housing. But um, I was like basically broke and then my scholarship ran out. So after three and a half years, they're like, well, you got no more. You, we're not paying you anymore. But it's like basically impossible to finish um, to finish a PhD in three and a half years, especially in anthropology. So um, I was really, really broke. But I like... I like knew of all this theory um, of how to make money successfully as a sex worker, as a trans sex worker. And like, I, you know, I was really knowledgeable on the topic and I like got to learn how it's like, how to like, you know, how to like do it in like, I guess I got to learn from the best in many ways. So I was like, well, I guess like I got to, I, I have this like really good way of like getting out of this situation and I can do it really well because I know all the theory behind it. Um, and it would also like enrich my own research and my own advocacy as well, because over time I'd like also become really like involved in like sex work advocacy because in all the trans spaces that I was in, I'd always be talking about sex worker rights. Um, so it was like kind of like one thing led to another and it was kind of like a foregone logical conclusion for me to also do sex work that's amazing yeah. like you had done like full proper academic <laughs> research before getting into it the rest of us just sort of found a dick in our mouth and mm. went well i guess we're doing it <laughs> yeah you were the most qualified entry sex worker that exists ever. <laughs> yes. like, <laughs> yeah yeah i'm just like that's a brilliant. massive nerd um <laughs> Everything that I ever, like, do, I always, like, spend way too long researching it before doing it. I think, like, it's there's also this, like, really interesting aspect that I think a lot of um, people don't talk about, especially when you're, like, a, a queer person. Um, pornography specifically and, like, also for trans people is, like, often the first encounter that you have with that sort of minority status. Like, the first time I, like, saw there was, like, trans, like, women in popular representations in popular culture, but they were all, like, kind of portrayals of, like, ridiculousness mm. um, and, like, failed, like, womanhood. And there's, like, countless examples, like, of the in the 90s and early 2000s of, like, really harmful portrayals of trans women. But then there was trans pornography where you'd actually have women trans women trans feminine folks be like really attractive and really sexy and it was kind of like for the first time that you that i'd come across like um a trans person a trans woman who's like you know desirable and like pretty and it's like really encouraging to like see that it's like actually possible to you know be attractive and not just like a comedic failure at womanhood you know so it, there's like a lot of like personal like I think um, stakes in like everything that I do and like what I in my research on trans sex work and like becoming a trans sex worker. So there was like, yeah, it's all very like, it's like a very intimate kind of like journey for me as well. You offer DOM services as well as GFE. Would you say that it's an even split or that one is more popular than the other? Yeah, so I I originally started doing dom stuff not because I was like a lifestyle king or anything. I mean, I think a lot of people, a lot of folks who get into uh, professional BDSM stuff have like, you know, have done it lifestyle for a while. Um, for me, it was like um, a purely like um, pragmatic and economic decision. I've had like physical issues with like bottoming, which is like an aspect about trans sex work that we also that I would also like to talk about because like obviously as like a trans feminine sex worker, you're just like expected to have anal sex, but like there's a lot of reasons why physically um, you can't have anal sex at all or can't have regular anal sex. So it was like at the beginning like just like a very very like pragmatic and economic decision. 
decision to um, just like you know be a top and like in that space like um, rather than just like branding myself like as a as just like a top you'd like so like carve that identity out a little bit more and it's kind of like a very like logical thing from it was very logical thing for me to creatively like turn that into like a sort of like you know very dominant kind of mistress um, personality so that's kind of like how I started and then also there's like this whole like aspect of like there's like an element of like I think safety that comes with topping like it's like I don't have to worry about people stealthing me when I'm topping because mm-hmm. I like have you know full view and control of like um, the intercourse itself so there's like a lot of like I think and you're like always on top and in control of the situation and the clients that you see they just like want to be submissive and they're just sort of want to be little bitches basically and um, and um, I mean that's great like I'm, there's nothing wrong with being a little bitch because that's also why I offer GFE <laughs> services because like I actually really enjoy that aspect but like I think um, so initially when I was first getting into it because it is like quite daunting getting into sex work um, I was like well this is like I guess a very like safe way for me to get into it but like over time like I was like kind of getting really sick of it so in terms of like the split for me like it's really like 95 percent um people asking for dom services or for top services like to different the differing degrees some people don't really care so much about the domination and latex aspect of it but they just want you to top and this is like a really key issue i think in trans sex workers that like almost every single guy client that comes and sees you wants you to top um it's like the own it often seems like it's the only reason why they even come and come and see you and are interested in trans women because if they just want to get laid they could just like go and see a like a cis woman um so it's like almost it often feels like it's like the only sort of like um you know the only sort of contributing factor the only purpose that you have in this industry is just to be a top um mm-hmm. and that's like that can be like a really profoundly alienating space as a as a trans feminine person and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but presumably that's not going to help if you're feeling quite dysphoric about the body parts that you have? Yeah, I mean, so, um, like, dysphoria, like, I guess, like, we should probably should, like, sort of, like, I guess, explain the term, but it's, like, I guess when you, if you're, like, if you're feeling, a, like, discomfort within your own body, like, in, in regards to your gender, um, and... Um, a lot of like trans um, feminine folks, they don't necessarily feel dysphoric about topping or their genitalia, but um, it can become, for me personally, it like became very dysphoric because it was like kind of like all that people saw in me. Um, and it's like, it, it, it's very frustrating because it becomes this sort of like overdetermined, like um, this overdetermined label that sort of like takes over everything that you are. Like people don't see me because like I'm a woman. People don't see me because I'm pretty. People like literally only care about the hard cock. And it's like, seriously, just go and see a male escort at that point. Because it's like, I just like, it's just like a really, really like um, reductive, like reductive and like objectifying way of like thinking about me as a person. For me, like topping, like, I mean, topping is like also like, it's like a very, like, I mean, these are like very like, I guess, intimate questions about one sexuality. But like, you know, I don't necessarily mind topping, but when it comes to just being about that and nothing else it's like really reductive um so there's like a lot of issues uh, in that in that space especially when you're like 
you get clients, for example, and they'll like be like, I want you to pound me for an hour straight with like, and then like shoot a big load across my face. And like, I know where this like idea comes from. It's just like, you know, men don't really get to explore that space of like being submissive, being like a little bitch, being like fucked like a, like, like, you know, like a pillow princess. And like, that's like a very like awesome experience. And I personally like love that in my like private yeah. life. <laughs> but like, but like, it's like, why are you asking trans feminine mm. people and trans women to do this erotic labor? Just ask men to do that labor for you. Just because you have like this, like really like internalized homo, intense internalized homophobia. But what you're actually asking is a sexual service that like, that cis men are way better positioned to do because there's like physical realities to trans feminine bodies, um, which is another aspect that I really need to talk about. And that is that, you know, we can't have prolonged or like, uh, I guess like it depends, but for trans feminine folks who are on HRT, which is like hormone replacement therapy, which means you take testosterone blockers and you take estrogen. So basically my, my estrogen levels and my testosterone levels are the same as that of a cis woman in my age. Um, so I basically have very, very, very low to zero testosterone. Um, that means that like I can't actually have a boner for very long. I mean, it's like very hard to maintain it and it's not that hard. Mm-hmm. And then same goes with like, um, with like cum shots. Like you just like don't actually produce like a cum shot. Yeah. Um, so, and, 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 and then, so you're like placed into this like market position where you're commercially incentivized to do this one thing, but your f- body and like the way you kind of like want to like model your body and shape your body as a trans person, as a trans feminine person is another way. And it comes and then you end up in these situations where like a lot of trans feminine sex workers. So you, you, you have these situations where you have trans feminine workers, um, who, for example, skip their hormone regimens, they skip their blockers. So they like increase their testosterone levels so they can maintain longer erections and they can shoot big loads. But that comes like at a huge personal cost because your body changes in ways that you don't want as like, or that most people, most transcendent people don't want. Like as, because, you know, I want my body to be like, you know, soft and I want like breast tissue and I don't want like hair stubbles all over my body. And like, I want that fat redistribution that like is around my hips. And like by stopping like HRT to perform sexual labor in a certain way, um, I am actually like doing things to my body that I don't want to do to my body. So we're like really in this like double bind in a way where like we have to choose often between like, you know, performing sexual labor to the satisfaction of our clients or fashioning our bodies in the way that we see them see fit for ourselves. And that causes dysphoria. If I just pick up on the second half of that question Mm -hmm. of Holly's um, in terms of the GGFE service. So like over time, I like, I was like, I just like, I've been increasingly wanting to like also in my work, have sex on, you know, have the kind of sex that I also like would enjoy in my private life, which is like way more like, you know, being a bottom. Um, And even though it's like, personally i find it a lot more work in the sense that like you know it's like i have to have anal sex and like i have to like prepare and like i have to be careful i don't get injured um and i have to like make sure that it's like with the right person um it just like 
I've just like been trying to like sort of incorporate that into my brand because like it's unfair for um, and this applies not just to trans workers but this applies to queer workers more generally if you're like a lesbian sex worker or if you're like um, a queer sex worker who doesn't necessarily enjoy having sex with cis men we just like have to um, have we have to like put in more labor into our sex work because we we can't really have sex um, in the way we would enjoying our personal lives so like I often like wish that I was just like a straight cis woman because then I could just like have sex even if it's sometimes bad sex I could just like have sex in a way that aligns with my sexuality but that's like really difficult for queer and trans sex workers yeah absolutely I mean it's something that like even though Absolutely, yes. Sometimes it's bad sex. Plenty of times I'm not attracted to the person, all of that. I also regularly have experiences where I'm having excellent sex, which is exactly the kind of sex that I want to have. And because of everything you've outlined, that's not, that's very difficult to attain for you. Yeah. Yeah. So I do, of course, also have like um, bookings that I really enjoy and sex that I really enjoy, but it's like, it's like, it's rarer than for other workers, yeah. you know, sure. it's rarer than if I was a straight cis woman, you know? Yeah. Um, sure. Yeah. So that's, it's like an additional, and that again is an additional layer of labor that trans, um, that queer trans feminine folks have to do. Is there, is there any, are there any other sort of unrealistic expectations that you find are placed on trans workers? I mean, I think, yeah, I think those are pretty much like yeah. the main ones. Yeah. Like, I mean, this idea that I can top for like, you know, an hour at a time and stay hard all the time yeah. that you can like shoot massive loads. Um, and that I'm also just like always ready to have anal sex, you know, mm -hmm, that's like, mm -hmm. that's on the bottom side of things. That's also like an unrealistic expectation that, you know, I get like really envious or like angry when I see, you know, cis workers, they charge like $500 extra for like anal. And I'm like, good on you, but also like, fuck, I wish I could do that. You know, yeah. it's like, it's like just standard for us. Like it's like expected in like a regular yeah. hourly rate. And it's like ridiculous. Sophie, in your retirement announcement, um, you mentioned that you have felt treated like a second-class citizen within the industry due to being trans. Um, you've just had a chat with us about the unrealistic expectations that are placed on trans workers, but are there other things that are happening within the industry that us cis workers are not aware of or that we are ignorant to, um, you know, in the most negative light, that, that yeah, that make you feel like a second-class citizen? Yeah, I mean, I think... Um I think like the worst like experiences I've had of that kind of um, like second class citizen treatment has been like on Twitter, just like in indirect ways, like when you come across Twitter discourse um, and it's like just like so like absent of any considerations of like what it would be like for a trans worker. So just to give you like a very concrete example, I like recently came across a thread um, just like by some US like um, based um, um, cis workers who like seemed like who were like really big like you know big accounts you know they, were, um, they had big follower accounts and they were like just talking about like anal and how like 
anal is like bad for you and it's like terrible and it's like gonna cause you all these chronic health issues and like you know like you shouldn't even be doing it and like clients shouldn't be requesting it and then I was like just thinking like you know the questionable science behind that claim anyway aside it's like just like well it's like great for you to have this like conversation but like as like a trans woman um we just like don't have a choice you know um so like it's like you just like these these conversations that are like often taking place where it's like just like you know conversations that like just don't take at all like our our existence into account that kind of like feels like very erasing totally we're such a diverse community the least we can do is try to try to you know pay attention to that and make sure we consider our our peers yeah exactly um and i guess like other like instances that i've had was like for example if you just like have um there's like there's there's like cis workers who like just outright refuse to like do doubles with trans workers um it's like i mean it's like i it's kind of like based uh, i just like can't help but feel it's like based on this idea that we're just like you know we're just like guys trying to get laid and it's like so stupid like it's like um it's like why would you not want to like work with a trans worker like i just like don't see a valuable valid reason other than you know you just you know you just don't see us as like as like sex workers as like women sex workers yeah and especially as you said like such a large percentage of the trans of trans femmes have engaged in sex work or will engage in sex work and such a lot you know as holly said like it's such a diverse industry there's a lot of trans people in the industry like it's not like mm. it's this little pocket mm. like you where we're all in it man and it, you know trans femmes are a big part of the industry so it's pretty it's pretty absurd to be just leaving you out i mean yeah i think it's incredibly archaic to uh still be referring to sex workers as all women or all cis women like i think that the assumption Mm. that we're all um any one gender or any one identifier is 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 wild um or that we were um, assigned any gender at birth or or anything like that the the amount of sex workers that you just would never know um any of their background or any of their their personal demographics, uh, I think assuming those things and just directing all of your attention to one tiny little segment of the community or only working with one little segment is is really um, very strange. Yeah. I'm shook because I, you know, just as a side note, I'm just going to show my ignorance here, but I just wasn't aware that it was such a, a large proportion. I know you haven't given us a number yet, but such a large proportion of trans femmes that – do mm. go into sex work. I just, I, I guess I know that a lot that do, but I didn't know that it was such a, almost like a rite of passage. I didn't know there was so, yeah. So yeah. these are, these are numbers from the US. Um, I got this, um, this is from a hacking hustling document. Mm-hmm. Um, so this also includes online work, but like um, in 2015, a survey of trans people, in a survey of trans people, 20% reported doing some type of sex work for food, money, or a place to sleep. So 20% is like, yeah, it's like That's one huge. in five trans people. Wow. Yeah, awesome. So that, yeah, if you have a look in the show notes, there are some links to some info if you are interested in looking more into this. Um, trans people were about, and this is from a US statistic, uh, four times more likely to have done sex work for income than non-trans people. So you have about four times as many. And um, there's an Australian statistic that I recently came across as well. Um, but yeah, it's like, I mean, there's like a drastic overrepresentation of um, sex workers. Oh, wow. 
And we need that solidarity, right, because we have this common enemy. Like every time <laughs> you come across a swerf online, yeah. I guarantee they're also a turf. Yeah. You know? It's the classic combo, hand in hand. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the classic. <laughs> Get your swerf They hate turf. us all, so let's yeah. stick together, mate. Yeah. Get your swerf and turf. Yeah. <laughs> I've not heard that before. Oh, really? yeah. That's hysterical. <laughs> oh, classic. I love it. I've got to make up a graphic for that. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, like ten dollars swerf and turf Tuesdays. It's, oh. it's that's why it breaks my heart so much when you do find sex workers who are you know transphobic because mm. i'm like are you not fucking mm. past that i sort of when you meet it will not meet but when you see transphobes online who are you know anti-sex work you go well, off you know of course you're, you're fucking idiots mm. and you know that all but but when it's somebody from within our community it's like so this is um this is for for a um from the kirby institute a study from the kirby mm-hmm. institute on um, the Australian um, Trans and Gender Diverse Sexual Health Survey in 2018. Um, and they found within Australia um, 20, 20% of uh, trans and gender diverse people in Australia have participated in sex work. So one in five, um, basically, uh, who have uh, participated in um, sex work. And the base rate is actually 13% among the general population. So that's actually 54% more likely wow. um, if you're a transgender diverse person to engage in um, in sex work um, in Australia. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's um, it's very significant. Like 50% is like, uh, more likely to engage in sex work as a mm. trans and or gender diverse person. So this is a tricky one, Sophie, but... Are you able to answer how all of these pressures and attitudes have shaped your personal experience with your relationship with your body, your gender, and even your sexual identity? Yeah. Um, so I think I've kind of like gone through like a bit of a process. Um, I think there's like, um, like initially when I got into sex work, I found it was like, it was like a very positive journey, um, like I'm trying to like avoid the use of the cliched word empowering because like, you know, (laughs) it's kind of like overused, um, in, in some aspects, but like, I think there was, there's like value to, there was like a lot of value to sex work for me because as trans people and like trans feminine people, we're just like, um, we kind of like fall into this, like, into this like bind where we're like not supposed to be sexual because we're like trying to like be respectable citizens Mm -hmm. um and um it's kind of like it's i was just reading this book by mirelle miller young on um on like basically um um black sex workers in the u.s or sex workers of color in the u.s pornography and she talks about this like illicit eroticism where you're like you know if you're sexual then you're like you're like really like you're really like a bad person um but like you're sort of like expected to buy into this like respectability politics as like a as like a marginalized person as like a a person of color or like as a trans worker because you're like you're you're like you know you're expected to be this like model citizen in some ways um um this model citizen and like sex work really doesn't fit that image so i've kind of like for basically ever since I like um, ever since I like transition, like not really at all engaged in my sexuality up until that point. Um, I was just like I was like very very like gray ace or like you know I felt like I was like I felt like I was you know I felt like in many ways that I was like not have didn't have a sex life. 
Um, and I also didn't really have a desire to have a sex life and to have sex. Um, but um, getting into sex work, I guess, kind of like really helped me um, discover my sexuality in many ways, like discover what I liked, what I didn't like, and um, that I did actually also like having sex, which was like something that I wasn't really, because you also don't really know how to relate to your body because there isn't really like a blueprint for it other than like, you know, there is like pornography, but it's not really necessarily a realistic blueprint of how to like relate to your trans body as a trans person. So in many ways at the beginning I thought it was like a very very like um, positive journey I could like really experiment and find ways um, to like have pleasure with my body um, and there's also an aspect of it like because when you're like sort of open social media or engage in any sort of like media today is like it's like always like trans people are like a problem and um, you sort of like you're sort of like kind of like it's it's like you just kind of like inadvertently internalize that that like you're just like this sort of like you know this this like problem you're so just like this like abomination in a way you know like this really bad thing um and that really doesn't make you feel very good about your body um and about yourself and your existence so getting into sex work was kind of like it kind of like flipped that on its head because like all of a sudden i would have like all these people that like you know find me really attractive for like also problematic reasons which i will like delve into now but like it was it was like at first it was like really positive i was like wow like i'm sexy i'm hot like you know look at me and i think we all know that that is like a very like that is like that is something that like sex work can do for us um um but then obviously like as time went on i sort of like um became like I can I guess I can became more used to that sort of dynamic and and I saw started also seeing some of the problems in that dynamic and it's like that they don't really necessarily most clients don't really necessarily like I, I, the way they make me feel is not necessarily like as a beautiful woman but like they just are interested in me being trans and specifically that means in like you know me having a penis that's literally all they care about um and that's like way less um way less um empowering um than like than like you know i originally thought it would be so i guess i kind of like gone through that sort of like journey and i think a lot of like finding like a healthy space or like not healthy but like finding a good space in sex work um for oneself is i think also like being able to like um do it on your own terms um and and um and i think there's like spaces like that but it's be like it very it's very hard in full service work to find a space like that i think there's like more space for it maybe if you're doing like independent like um, pornography work where you're just like collabing with people that really respect you and you can like script and have sex in exactly the way that you find like really like fun and enjoyable and empowering um, but obviously when you're working in like a market context where you're trying to make as much money as possible where you're working with clients then you have to like compromise of course yeah for sure so it's been like a really mixed bag and i have to always remind myself that it's not all and i think that's like what i mean i guess like a lot of sex workers and sex work advocacy is about is like it's not all great and it's not all terrible you know it's like really like it's like there's like different aspects of it that we need to individually examine and highlight some of the problematic aspects that we can improve while also acknowledging that there's like good good parts to it that can really help us 
Yeah, for sure. So what can clients do to better support trans workers and to make them feel more comfortable when they do see gender diverse workers? Yeah, um, I think, I mean, uh, uh, it's it's been like a real, that's like a really, like, that's like, it, it, I pull my hair out at this question because like, I think it's like, I've, I like, I, it, sometimes I do really wonder whether there is like an even, there is like a good way of like, or like a, like an ethical way of making this encounter like productive for both sides, you know, um, it's um, like, I mean, I guess like what they shouldn't do is like, a good place to start and like they really shouldn't just like obsess about the fact that you're trans mm. um they really shouldn't specifically obsess about your genitalia because like as like a as like a person who wants to be sexual like there's like so much more to my sexuality than just like what's in my pants you know um yep. so like i think as a client you have to like um you have to like not obsess about the genitalia of the trans person but also just like not just i think you have to really ask yourself some questions like around like you know why are you seeing why are you seeing me like are you really just seeing me because it's like this like kinky fun thing like i gotta take this off the bucket list like i've never been with a trans worker um like um and then like you know go back to like seeing like because because I, 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 this is another issue that I have, like, you know, we get, I get a lot of people for whom it's just like a box ticking exercise. And I was recently spe speaking to a cis worker and she was saying, yeah, we get that too. And like, I'm sure you get that too. Cause people are like, oh, I want to be like, I want to be with a, with a, with a, with a sex worker. I've never been with a sex worker, mm -hmm. but like, I find it really, really hard to like have, um, to like break out of that, just like tick box ticking, um, situation. Yeah. And I think it's like, I feel like I have an inkling that it's like just more common for us where they're like, this is this novelty item that I need to try out and then I can go back to like having regular sex you know um, regular quote unquote like which means just like cis like heterosex um, so um, I guess like don't also approach it as like this box ticking exercise it's like really frustrating I mean it's like it's it makes it really hard to build a build a sustainable reputable business with regulars you know it makes it really hard it just like incentivizes me to also like not put effort into the session because well you're just like not going to come again this is just like a drunken like escapade for you so like fuck you you know like yeah, why so am true. i providing like a good service to you you know i want to like i think there's like there's like it's there's like there's it's nice to have like reliable regulars that you can have like that you can you know together like explore um or like explore their sex or like help them work through like sexual issues or whatever like something like of a more like something that you can build on and work on so but like if it's it's there's just like too many too much box ticking i think and it's like really frustrating it's really really frustrating so i guess like the best clients i've had were the ones that like booked me because they're like having anal sex they don't care that i'm like they're like they don't care that i'm trans um, they don't even care about my genitalia. They just like want to get laid and they thought I was hot and they're all like, oh, like, you know, uh, I, I, they, they just wanted to have anal sex and it's like really hard to find like cis workers who have anal sex or it's like I have a better rate for anal sex. Or, But like, you know, obviously, even though the market economics behind that is also, are also problematic, it's for me like a really like nice space to be with like just like, to be with like a client who like 
doesn't actually care whether I'm trans or not. Mm. He just like wants to have. He just wants to get laid. He thought my pictures were like pretty, um, and that's it. Yeah. Um, so You're I think there's. Um, it's but it's like this rare, you know. I can tell. I can tell immediately when someone books me because because they're like obsessed about me being trans. And unfortunately, it's like you know, ninety ninety five percent of all bookings or ninety eight percent of all bookings. Yeah. That's got to be a really yuck feeling. It's irritating, yeah. Sometimes you get the you get the fuck boys, and you know they just wanna they just wanna have sex and they just wanna have a good time, and they don't really care. Um, and I think that's great. You know, I think that's way yeah. better. You know, and they're like, don't just exclusively trans see trans workers because you get these these hobbyists, and like all they do is they just see trans workers. They know all the trans workers in Australia because there's not that many, and they just like they just go from trans worker to trans worker, and they're just like obsessed with the fact that we are trans. And it's like mm-hmm. honestly, it's like it's just, it's just like it's profoundly alienating. Mm-hmm. Like it's yeah. not how, I'm like so much more than that, you know. Yeah, I mean it's it's absolutely fine to have your preferences, of course, but putting someone in that box. Ugh. Yeah, Not and you great. see, you see that there's a lot of similarities with like you know you get clients who just see like Asian workers or who just see black workers, um, and I think there's like there's like an element of like fetishization. It doesn't. It's different if you like see all sorts of different types of sex workers, um, as opposed to if you only see this one particular type of sex worker. Then I feel like you're you're really just like and not. I'm not saying the person but if you just see asian sex workers or if you just see black sex workers it's like you have like a thing that you're like obsessed about and i think you really need to like interrogate that because like you know that's not really what to me intimacy is about that's not really what sex is about it really shouldn't be about you know this one thing um that is like identity based you should be able to have pleasure with anyone who's attractive to you but like that attraction you have to interrogate and if it like if it like feeds into and is like tied into these like you know structures of power and like these like these like ideas of racism and and like transphobia then you're just like in a way perpetuating that violence well said uh, so another tricky one, I think, but what can peers do? Uh, so I guess cisgendered basically peers do to better support trans workers. So I think that there, there's a lot that um, peers can do. And um, and I like just really cannot, I just can not emphasize enough how important it is that peers do this. But like I've had um, peers hook me up with doubles, which is great because I get always paid way above my rate because like cis rates are, are not always, but often way higher or like consistently higher than, um, than, than trans rates. If like a cis peer who is like in the same, like is, has like a similar branding and I has a similar following than I, um, they just like end up, they charge more than me. And I just like I just can't charge that much. So like hooking me up with doubles is like amazing. I love it. Um, and um, and then also asking for collabs. I had like cis workers like asking me to do like OnlyFans collabs, which is great because again like um, you have like larger client bases. You have like you have like a bigger pool of potential clients and a bigger demographic that you cater to because unfortunately there's just like a whole bunch of like um there's a whole bunch of men who just like would never give money to or see trans workers so like my like reach like in terms of marketing is like limited compared to that of a cis worker like i can't get the same follower numbers Mm -hmm. than than 
like a cis worker on Twitter. If you look at the top porn stars, um, you compare like the the most famous five cis porn stars, they have way more than the most famous five mm. trans porn stars in terms of followers. So just doing collabs, um, doing offering doubles with them or talking about doubles or suggesting doubles to your client. Like sometimes a lot of guys are like curious, but they'll be like, they'll be like, you know, they won't do it until like, until like their regular like cis worker suggests it to them. Um, and then that, those are like in terms of work, but like in terms of advocacy, of course, you can also do so much more. Like whenever you see like some toxic Twitter thread where there's like some conversation about, you know, oh, like being face in or face out. It's like, yeah, well, you know, talk, think about the trans workers. And this also applies to other marginalized workers, queer workers, wo workers of color, um, who just like can't afford to like be facing, um, who can't afford to not have anal sex. Um, just like think of like, um, who think, who can't afford to just charge more, you know, like that kind of stuff. Like think about, think about us, think about marginalized workers when these conversations are happening. It's been really great for me to hear. I've heard some similar sentiments shared recently. When I first entered the industry, because I do, I get a lot of clients who say, um, yeah, I'd really love to have a booking with a trans worker, but I'm a bit unsure. Like, would you do it with me? Exactly kind of what you said. Yeah. And early on, I, I contacted a bunch of trans workers and I was less uh, connected to the industry at this point, right, um, and asked about that and – a couple said no, but most of them just didn't get back to me. Um, and I took that as being like, oh, okay, maybe that's not, you know, maybe that's not the done thing and whatever. And incorrectly, I took it that way and then didn't try again for years. Um, and now I'm like, no, that's not the case. I was probably going about it the wrong way or blah, or whatever. Yeah. And now I'm much more connected and, and I know a bunch of trans workers. I'm not just contacting them out of the blue. Um, but, yeah, I had this impression that that wasn't wanted. Um, yeah. And now I'm glad. I, I'm glad. I, I mean, I'm sure it isn't wanted from some people. Sure. But now I'm glad that I know um, that it's something that I yeah, that you can, can do. and should, yeah. should do to the people. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, I guess, like, speaking to that, I think you have to bear in mind that um, it's like a complex situation because yeah. you do have a lot of um, trans women and trans femme work, m more like, you know, trans women specifically, who, um, who, like, insist on just like having straight sex with men so yeah. there'll be like strict bottoms and they don't yeah. like working with other women that's not totally. they don't like working with tra other trans women and they don't like working with other cis women and that comes like um that that you know they're just like really really straight um and like it's like um it's like a complex space because um you know there's like you're not like necessarily like also you know, when you had to fight so hard for, like, your gender, that you're, like, you're, like, sometimes, like, you know, also, um, you're sometimes also, like, not necessarily willing to, like, you know, be particularly queer about your sexuality. Mm. Um, I mean, some might also, some, some, like, some, like, trans women are also just, like, really, really straight and there's, like, nothing that they can do about it. But, sure. like, um, just like, just like cis women. But I think yeah. there's, like, an added layer of, like, um, I guess, like, um, 
I don't know how to call it, but like I guess like an added layer of like it's like a it's like a potentially triggering territory mm. where like you don't want to be that person who is just like oh now I have to like top cis women as well. Yeah. Like this is like what I was expected to do all my life before I transitioned. Like you know I just like identify my gender because like one also informs the other. So like my gender is like so like firmly like set on womanhood that like I want to just have this very very like cis, like heteronormative yeah. type of sex yeah absolutely and that that was what I thought might have been the issue um but now I know that that certainly can be an issue for some people but it doesn't it's not going to stop me from you know yeah. reaching out and, and making the suggestion and yeah get out there yeah. yeah, you just have to definitely keep trying. Yeah, and I think yeah. you'll see that. I mean, you see that also in when you look at ads. I think like a lot of workers will be like, you know, I work with women or I work with people of all genders and and like body types. Um, so I guess probably also maybe bear that in mind when you when you're like reaching out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Thank you. <laughs> just personal personal um, help for Jenna there. <laughs> Do you have any special or affirming stories from your time within the industry to share with us? Give us some positivity um, after all of this heaviness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess like, I mean, I mean, the best part, I don't know what, I mean, I, I like managed to buy like a plot of land. So um, it's really like for me was like, and for like, I think like, again, like, mm, <laughs> I think like a lot of clients have like this really hard time realizing that it is like about the money for a lot of us. Um, and, um, and like, yeah. yeah. And it's like, it's like, that's really honestly been the best part for me. Like not being poor anymore. Um, being able to like, actually like buy like a place where I don't have to be like sooner won't have to be like a rental ser- like servant, surf um so it's like yeah that's been like honestly the best part but like in terms of like the sex i mean i guess like i've had like some really like fun sessions of course um um and it's like nice when they happen so like i mean i have this one client for example and like his his thing is like so he books trans women to like to like gangbang cis workers so it's like, oh. so it's like, cause he doesn't want to like book. And again, this is like, again, another example of like trans women have to like stand, be the stand in for what actually yeah. the se- the type of sexual labor that like actually like a male sex worker should be doing. Um, <sighs> so like I have this client. Yeah. So I have this client and, and, and there's a lot of trans workers who just like, all oh, right, refuse to do it. But like, I'm also really, really gay. So like, mm. I also do like having sex with women, with Same. cis women or women more generally. Um, so like, I have this client and his, his whole thing is like, oh, like, I want to like gangbang like a cis worker like and he like books three trans women and himself and himself and then a cis and a cis yeah. worker. And yeah. like, and then like, we like do a gangbang. Um, and it's fun. like, Oh my god! Yeah, it's oh. like, I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, I don't. I'm wondering where my invite was. But yeah, must have got lost. In so yeah, I mean, the sessions are always like really fun, mm. and they're like he's like he's not a demanding client at all. Most yeah. of the time, he likes watching actually, so he just like sits there and watches and just joins in at the end. Um, but like, but like, m- one of the most rewarding parts has been for me to like I've been like to him, you know what, like. I want to be, I want to like switch it up sometime. I want to be the one who gets gangbanged. Yes! Like, <laughs> 
because like I was like I uh, like I uh, you know I'm like I'm You're I'm, I'm yeah. way more of like a bottom in my private life yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was like yeah I want to be in that position I want to switch it up so oh. I like just basically convinced him into like giving Yay! me like my like dream session where like I just like get porn star style gang banged by like you know a bunch of dicks um, and um, and like that I'm like really excited about it's like actually it's like happening it's like hasn't happened yet yeah. but like we're like so I like can... locked it in and Jenna but, like, and I and are then, both I'm, so and then I'm gonna get dom- so I'm gonna get dominated by like <laughs> a bunch of trans women and there's also a cis worker there who's gonna dominate me too nice. so I get to finally like switch the roles but it's like really so like fun when you're not this like doing this like stand-in for like a male sex worker you know when you get to like have like you know you get to like just have sex that you really enjoy you're having yourself in your private life like yeah i mean it's not like i have gangbangs all the time in private life i mean it's like really hard to (laughs) it's really hard to organize like a responsible safe like gangbang but it's like a really cool bucket list item to like tick off the list yeah i love that financial freedom and gangbangs good answer yeah (laughs) yeah thanks for summarizing it Yeah, the term, the stand-in for a male sex worker is something I have never thought about. Yeah. You've really blown my mind with that. And I think that's that's huge. Yeah. That really needs unpacking. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just a lot of clients also, it's just like internalized homophobia. Like yeah. a lot of clients, mm-hmm. so like one of the most common types of bookings that I get, especially like branding myself as like more of like a mistress kind of thing, or originally I've sort of like toned that down a lot. But um, one of the most common types of bookings that I would get is like sissy bookings. It's like where men want to dress up in lingerie and have their makeup put on and then they just want to get railed senseless. And like, I get that feeling, but like, it's like so problematic asking a trans woman to do yes. this for you. And <laughs> That's like the worst possible person yeah. to ask to do that. Yeah, yeah it's like, like, I mean, like, in a way it's like I understand yes. where you're like coming from because there's just like, there's like a lot of suppressed like sexuality in that sort of like mm-hmm. fantasy. There's like, there's a lot of like queerness that you're not engaging with and that you're engaging with in a, you know, reductive and like fetishizing and like problematic way. Um, but like, cause like, you know, womanhood is like not necessarily humiliating, but like a lot of these, uh, it's not, it's, it's just straight up not humiliating. Sorry. Um, like putting <laughs> academic talk on where I put it qualifies on everything, yes. but like, um, they sort of like, um, want to explore like that subspace, that like space of being humiliated, that space of just being like a pillow princess. And, um, you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but like, you know, the way you're doing it is like, is like in this like really like annoying way for trans workers, you know, there's a lot of trans workers who are like, I don't do sissy bookings, you know, it's like unethical. I don't like doing them. Like I do them because I kind of see there's like a sort of like queer aspect to it. I try and like make them think more about their queerness and their queer yeah. sexuality and like have them embrace their like, you know, um, sub side or feminine side or however you want to call it so it's like yeah it's it's but it's like it's problematic yeah it's like mm. it's a complex field yeah, of much desire that you're trying to navigate yeah wow just so much for demand for that as well isn't there like i get i've never advertised anything like that i've never marketed as anything but like boring vanilla cis girl um and I get so much sissying requests and it comes yeah. up so often. Like there's a, it's a huge thing. 
So I, I mean, I can only imagine it's, it's, I'm just thinking about how much I get it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not like it. Obviously, is massive. I get it all so, the time. Yeah. So Honestly, much and I, I really support um, cis workers uh, branding themselves in a way that they're offering like strap-on certification services. Because please take that kind of label off me. <laughs> like I don't want to fucking <laughs> do it. I'm so <laughs> over it. It's like literally all I fucking get all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Um, we sort of tried to end it on a positive and we, <laughs> we kind of, we didn't <laughs> succeed, but that's okay. That's what it was Life about is not today. always a happy ending. We needed to know yeah. more about the things that we, yeah. the challenges. And, uh, and, and that means not yeah. every episode is going to be all, you know, sunshine. In fact, I'd say more, more of our episodes no. are, are, have <laughs> yeah. challenging aspects, but that's what it's about. We're here to say that the, the job yep. is a job and that, um, yeah, that, that there are so many people that face a lot of challenges within it and learn and educate. That's what it's yeah. all about. So thank you so much for helping us to do that or just doing it for yeah, us today. I mean, we you. didn't do anything. So thank you, Sophie, for educating. Thank you so much um, for facilitating and letting me just go on like long rants as well. Uh, it's brilliant. Yeah. I, loved it. I don't think there's a sentence that you said that was not um, informative and valuable and relevant. Mm. And like, you're, you're a wonderful speaker. I'm, obviously you've got a fair bit of experience. You're obviously very knowledgeable in, in all of this and, and not just through lived experience, but through a lot of research. And so it's just been such a pleasure to have you. We're incredibly grateful for you taking the time, um, and doing the emotional labor as well. Yes. Absolute pleasure. What you're doing is great. Yay. Awesome. Thank you, Sophie. Uh, it's been great to have you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. See ya. Thanks for having me. Thank you to the world's sexiest patrons, uh, our new giving somebody, Russell, our new generous somebody, Jimmy, our new very generous somebody, B. Our even more generous somebodies are, hello, it's me, Alex, Dave, the Ashley Stafford, the Rhiannon Rhodes, Nomad, Adele, Afraz, Andrew, Biggie, our secret admirer, our footstool, Greenie, Lachlan, Leslie, Sub London, Miss Billy, Mr. E, NK, The Ophelia Parker, Scott C, Simon, Steve, Timmy, Wheezy, Luke, and Ellen. And our extremely generous somebodies are Crochet Cat, Aaron, Adam Smith, Skippy, B&J, Andrew, Pete, The Sienna Saint, and Adam Moore. Thank you so much for your support, our lovely patrons, and thank you, whoever is still listening at this point of the episode, you completionist you. Yeah, we love you. We know you're out there because you let us know when you find these little... Oh, that's a cat vomiting. Should we leave that in? Oh, my God. Yeah, do it. Yeah, that's, that's a great Easter egg. Yeah. I so hope he's vomiting Easter eggs. En- enjoy that one. Um, <laughs> and we will... You just can't handle having a few seconds left on nah, the thing, can you? No, nah, you got to You can't handle go it. the whole way through. Oh, oh you just got to keep going. This We're just going to... Corbin's <laughs> dropping fur balls everywhere. It's, it's really nice. Jeez. Yeah, well, he's got a lot of fur. Lovely. He's got a lot of fur. All right. He does, he does. Love you guys. You Bye. better go deal with that. Bye. That was great. <laughs> One of our best. Please look out for us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Patreon. Our name everywhere is Somebody You Pod, as in podcast. Our Patreon starts at just $3 a month and you can get all of our episodes ad-free and a day early, plus bonus episodes, behind-the-scenes action, bloopers and more. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the voices of sex workers. And remember, 
Somebody you love might just be a sex worker.